Welcome to Monday Morning Murder in the News with Alyssa Carroll. Good morning, heathens, and happy Murder in the News Monday. That is again on a Tuesday because Monday was a holiday for a lot of us. Moving on. We are gathered here today because the rest of the regular news is just hot, scary garbage, and you know you'd rather be hearing me and my bullshit anyway. So I collect news articles along with articles sent to me by you, my beloveds, and others. And many of the articles today were actually sent to me. So thank you so much. Unlike my regular podcast that I write out in its entirety before I record, this is unscripted. And I don't read the articles past the headline so that you and I can react together. So let's get into it. Our first article comes from abcnews.go.com, and the title reads, Justice Department to Pursue Death Penalty Against Buffalo Supermarket Shooter Peyton Gendron? Gendron? I'll be read to filth for that. The Justice Department said Friday in a court filing it will seek the death penalty for Peyton, the then 19-year-old who killed 10 people in a racially motivated shooting at a Topps supermarket in Buffalo, New York in May 2022. I... Why is racism even a thing? Quote, United States believes the circumstances in counts 11 through 20 of the indictment are such that, in the event of a conviction, a sentence of death is justified, the filing said. Now, lawyers for this kid previously said he would consider pleading guilty to the federal charges if the death penalty was taken off the table. He was not in court on Friday when Prosecutor Joe Trippi formally notified the judge of the government's intent to seek the death penalty. The defense waived his appearance, but Judge Lawrence Villardo said he would have to show up in court soon. Quote, there's going to come a point in the relatively near future when he's going to need to be here. So Assistant Federal Defender Sonia Zolin responded, quote, I'm sure the court is completely confident we are communicating with him appropriately, end quote. Next court date is February 2nd. Open your phones, mark your calendars. Federal prosecutors outlined the reasons why they believe a death sentence is warranted in their filing, saying, quote, Gendron, Gendron intentionally killed Roberta Drury, Pearl Young, Hayward Patterson, Ruth Whitfield, Celestine Cheney, Aaron W. Salter Jr., Andre McNeil, Marcus Morrison, Catherine Massey, and Geraldine Talley, end quote. The Justice Department also cited his intentional infliction of bodily injury, intentional participation in an act resulting in the death, and the blatant racism associated with the shooting. It says, quote, Peyton expressed biased, bias without the T, hatred and contempt toward black persons, and his animus toward black persons played a role, the filing said. The defense said they were, quote, deeply disappointed in the DOJ's decision to pursue the death penalty 
quote, rather than a prolonged and traumatic capital prosecution, the efforts of the federal government would be better spent on combating the forces that facilitated this terrible crime, including, including easy access to deadly weapons and the failure of social media companies to moderate the hateful rhetoric and images that circulate online, said Zolan in a statement. And so, sidebar from me here. I take a little umbrance, is that the word I'm looking for, with that statement from the judge. I agree with her when she says, rather than a prolonged and traumatic capital prosecution, because even if they give him the death penalty, and I'm one of those that I'm not necessarily against the death penalty, depending on the situation, but in this situation, the appeals and everything going on would take so long that really it would behoove them to just take the plea deal where they take the death penalty off the table so that they can save all of us, we babe taxpayers, all of that money for a trial to sentence him to death and then him not even be put to death, most likely. You get what I'm saying. The problem I have with this is failure of social media companies to moderate the hateful rhetoric and images that circulate online because first and foremost, people should be regulating and policing themselves. Okay. Don't be up in somebody's comments trolling and being an asshole because you can hide behind a screen. It's cowardice. It's fucking ridiculous. Don't. Just stop it. That's the first thing. Just be nice. If you don't like it, scroll on. If Leave good comments. Go out of your way to leave good comments. That's what I try to do. I digress. But it is also not Twitter or X, I guess, and Instagram and Facebook, like it's not really, I mean, do you want these companies to have that much access to everything? Do you really want these companies to have that much observability, if that's a word, to what you're posting on social media? Do you really want them policing that that much? I don't. So I wouldn't really blame the social media companies either. But anyway, I get way off topic. So a federal grand jury returned a 27 count indictment against this kid in July 2022, charging him with 14 violations of the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act. Ten counts of hate crimes resulting in death, three counts of hate crimes involving an attempt to kill three injured individuals, and one hate crimes count alleging that he attempted to kill additional black people in and around the Topps grocery store. According to a statement from the Department of Justice, he was also charged with 13 firearms offenses. It says Peyton was motivated by a racist, far-right conspiracy known as replacement theory, and he wanted to, quote, inspire others to commit similar attacks. No, don't do that. FYI, not on my watch, not my people. Don't do that. Regardless, the decision to seek the death penalty follows more than a year of deliberations inside the J, the Justice Department. Garland has been open in previous public appearances about his concerns regarding the death penalty, and President Joe Biden <coughs> campaigned on formally abolishing it at the federal level. But in the absence of a formal policy instituted by the Biden administration, the DOJ officials have debated over a so-called, quote, worst of the worst threshold for when recommending a death sentence. That just feels like it's running on. 
The point is, is that he's going to, you know, be punished for this, but that the crime should have never freaking happened. But we all know that. And then for our next article, I apologize. I don't even really edit out my mess ups anymore. Um, that I might go into something slightly scientifical, scientific-y. This comes from Live Science or LiveScience.com. Title reads, No Chance of a Soft Landing. Company confirms... Uh, peregrine missions, human remains won't reach the moon. An oxidizer leak has left the lunar lander stranded in space carrying human remains. So engineers have identified the potential cause of a fuel leak on the spacecraft that has left it. The first U.S. craft to attempt a soft landing on the moon in 50 years with no chance of completing its mission. The spacecraft, owned by the private American company Astrobotic Technology, launched from Cape Canaveral, Florida, aboard a Vulcan rocket at 2.18 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday, which was the 8th. The spacecraft's goal was to become the first private craft to perform a controlled landing on the moon and was laden with instruments to measure the conditions on the lunar surface. Controversially, the spacecraft is also carrying human remains, including those of science fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke, Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry, and Roddenberry's wife. Wow, I didn't even know that. Uh, so it says that they, were, they reported a technical anomaly, a propellant leak that thwarted the mission. Now the company has an explanation for what may have happened. And I can hear, I, you know what, I don't even need to finish this because at this point I already know somebody saying they hit the firmament. It was the firmament, right? <laughs> the next article comes to us from WXII12.com. So W1212.com. Title reads, if they would get their pop-up out of my face. A couple found dead in home where heater was found to be 1,000 degrees, police say. This one was sent to me. Oh, you with your pop-ups. WXII12.com. Too many pop-ups. Uh, so, Spartanburg, South Carolina. A South Carolina couple was found dead in their house over the weekend after police said the home heater reached 1,000 degrees. Why do I have a hard time believing that? Spartanburg County Coroner Rusty Clevenger said Monday that officials were still investigating the deaths of the man and woman. The names of the victims were not released. In a report from the Spartanburg Police Department, police said they and medics were called just after 6 p.m. Saturday to the home by the family to make a welfare check since they had not seen their parents since Wednesday. When officers arrived, they said all doors were locked, but the window leading into the victim's bedroom was unsecured. They removed the screen from the window and looked into the bedroom and saw the couple was dead. Medics pulled themselves through the window to unlock the front door. Once inside, police noticed the residence was, quote, extremely hot in the bedroom. The man was found lying on the bed unclothed, facing upwards, police said. They said the woman was at the side of the bed, slouched in a chair, and was clothed. Police say they did not observe any signs of a struggle or any signs of foul play. 
The Spartanburg Fire Department was called to check for signs of carbon monoxide poisoning, but when they arrived, they said they found none. Police said the body temperatures of the victims were measured by medics with a device that went up to 106 degrees, and both victims exceeded that reading. Family members told police they were at the home last Wednesday helping their parents with their heater, saying the gas heater and gas hot water heater both were out and the home was getting too cold. The family told police they noticed the pilot light on the hot water heater was out. They said they started, quote, fiddling with it, moving a wire, and the pilot light turned on. Ooh. Once the light came back on, they left the home, the police said. The report said that after a few days of not hearing from their parents, well, they became concerned. The family said the couple had several health issues and both were not easily mobile, saying the men fell recently and the woman had undergone hip surgery. Fire officials who measured the interior temperature told police the home exceeded 120 degrees and those readings were after the home was open to the cold weather for about 20 minutes. They then checked the basement of the home where the heater and hot water heater were located. Now, according to the report, one firefighter said, quote, the, the heater was so hot it looked as if the basement was currently on fire, end quote. Once they realized it was not physically on fire, they deactivated the heater. They then measured the temperature of the heater itself, and it measured at over 1,000 degrees the report said. Firefighters continued airing out the home due to the strong odor of natural gas. Before leaving the scene, the responding officer noticed the thermometer in the home started working again. Upon looking at it, I stated the residence was at 96 degrees. It read this temperature after the house had been open for about two and a half hours. No other information about the investigation was immediately released by the police department and the coroner's office. Wow, that was an interesting article. I enjoyed that. So our next article comes from KARE11.com. Title reads, Realtor finds body in Minneapolis garage while prepping for open house. And to all of my real estate babes out there, I know I've got to have at least one, right? Is that kind of a fear? Do you go into it with that in the back of your mind? Inquiring minds want to know. So, the victim, found in a garage bin wrapped in a tarp, has been identified as Reed Christopher Johnson, 51. A body was found in a garage bin inside a garage at a vacant North Minneapolis home on Sunday. A real estate agent made the startling find as he was getting ready for an open house. He believes he narrowly missed the killer. The victim is now identified as 51-year-old Reed Christopher Johnson. No one has been arrested yet for shooting him to death, but the man who found the body provided police with some good leads. With two open houses scheduled over the weekend for this vacant home for sale on 30th Avenue North in Minneapolis, realtor Josh was making sure everything was in order. Quote, I opened the garage door and I saw an unfamiliar vehicle there, he said. I snapped a photo of it. Then I called the Minneapolis police because we obviously needed to get it out of there, end quote. An officer came and ran the plates of the Jeep inside the detached garage. Guys, I promise I, that's not my Jeep. 
It wasn't reported stolen. The back end was filled with tarps and a garbage can, but what Josh and the officer didn't realize on Saturday was that there was also a body inside. Quote, I had no idea. It just looked like a mass of construction debris in the back of a vehicle, Josh said. The next day, getting ready for his second open house, Josh noticed the vehicle was gone, but the tarp-wrapped garbage can remained. Quote, the owner asks me to help tip the garbage can up. I do. It was super heavy. We tipped it up, and I peeled the tarp back, and that's where we found the gruesome discovery. I was just shocked. I looked at Bill and said, there's an effing body in here. There is a body in here. He went and looked, and his face went the same way, and at that time we called the police, end quote. And he said effing, because I would have actually said the F word. That's precious. The victim, Johnson, a lifelong Minnesota resident, died from multiple gunshot wounds. Quote, they murdered him, and they wrapped him up in a tarp and threw him in a garbage can and dumped him at a random house, Josh said. Johnson has a long criminal history, but Josh, who has experience as a social worker and drug and alcohol counselor, way to go, Josh, says no one deserves what happened to Johnson. Quote, I don't care how big of a hole someone digs in their life. You can dig your way out and nothing like this needs to happen. And I just think that poor family and what they're going through right now, it's just sad. It's really sad. So should we start a petition to just wrap Josh in bubble wrap and just deem him to be protected at all costs? Because that's... He's sweet. We love that. Okay, the next article comes from WLOS.com, ABC 13 News. Title says, Woman doused Lada officer with lighter fluid tried to set him on fire. She's smiling nice and pretty in her mugshot. I'd love to know her backstory. So Dillon County, South Carolina. What is going on, South Carolina? Are you trying to win something, some kind of bet against Florida? Stop it. Melissa McCoy, 38, was charged with trespassing, resisting arrest, threatening the life of a public official, and attempted murder after she doused a Lada police officer with lighter fluid and tried to set him on fire, according to Lada Police Chief Zane Bryant. Bryant said the incident took place this past Saturday when the officer was attempting to arrest McCoy for criminal trespassing. He added, that's when McCoy actively resisted arrest by, quote, dousing lighter fluid all over the officer and attempted to ignite the officer with a lighter. Bryant said officers were able to subdue McCoy and take her into custody. The officer was treated and released from the hospital and is doing good. McCoy's bond has been denied, duh, and she remains behind bars at the Dillon County Detention Center. But I tell you what, she was prepared for that mugshot, I'm here to tell you. Like, smiling with teeth. Smiling with teeth. I tell you what, okay. I think this, I don't, this might have been one that I found, but if you sent this one to me, then you get the credit for it. But I think I found this one. And it comes from news4sanantonio.com or news4sa. 
title reads, Houston rapper allegedly held pregnant woman captive for years. Police raid follows. And this guy does look familiar. He looks familiar. I don't have anything against rap. It's not my preferred genre, but it's way, way, way above like shitty Christmas or country music. Anyway, coming out of Houston, a Houston rapper has been arrested on charges of holding a pregnant woman captive for several years. The arrest followed an operation conducted by law enforcement authorities, and the case unveils a disturbing tale of abuse and captivity. Now, wait a minute. Aren't we kind of going through something like this with P. Diddy, Puff, Puffy, Puff Daddy, Pro, Pro Patty? Aren't we? Please don't make this a trend. On Friday, Houston Police Department Commander Michael Collins provided details on the arrest of 52-year-old Lee Carter, a local rapper accused of imprisoning a pregnant woman for an extended period. Collins addressed the media, expressing deep concern for the victim and emphasizing the commitment of the police department to ensure justice for the affected individuals. Jedediah Bates, a resident living nearby, shared his experiences with law enforcement responding to the distress calls from the house in question. Bates recounted a previous incident where a woman crawled out of a window claiming she was kidnapped and unable to leave. This alarming event raised suspicions about possible illicit activities within the residence. This is just bringing uh, Ohio back into the fold, too, you know. So in a dramatic turn of events, police executed a raid, smashing through a window and opening a door to rescue the woman believed to have been held captive for years. Commander Collins expressed the urgency of the situation, stating, quote, we were very concerned that there could have been somebody in there that needed immediate assistance. Upon entering the premises, authorities discovered a distressing scene. <sighs> a dog, an empty mattress, and a deadbolt that closed from the outside. The TV was still on, providing an eerie backdrop to the alleged years-long captivity. According to reports, Lee Carter was apprehended at a nearby motel. The accusations against him are deeply troubling, involving the kidnapping, the rape, and forced drug use, including pills and crack cocaine, of a pregnant woman over a four to five year period. Uh, I'm confused as to why she would be pregnant four to five years when there, she's either pregnant now or there was a baby in the house. You know what I'm saying? The court documents do not reveal whether the victim gave birth during her captivity or the fate of any potential child. See, I just answered my own damn question. Neighbors recounted instances of seeing the victim, describing how Carter would load her into his car and bring her back to the residence for bathing. The Houston Police Department confirmed receiving eight calls for service to the house in the past year, indicating a history of concerns regarding the property. In April, the victim reportedly messaged the police for help through a laptop. When authorities arrived, they found her in a deplorable state, weighing only about 70 pounds and living in squalor. Carter had fled the scene by the time law enforcement arrived. So Lee Carter, identified as a real estate broker, had his bond set at $100,000 after a judge cleared the room before reading aloud the disturbing court documents. Carter's attorney mentioned that he is currently working on his Master of Business Administration. I can't. 
Commander Collins concluded, quote, It makes me sick as a human being, and I can tell you as a police department, we are here for the citizens of Houston. We are here for the community, and we are here to make sure that this individual and her family get justice. End quote. Wow. I feel like, what was that bond? $100,000 seems light. That seems a little light, guys. What do you think? Oh, and I found another kind of sciencey somewhat article, but it's definitely gives me the feeling of a horror movie. So I thought I would share it. I didn't read the whole article. I just read the title, but the picture with the title is a little disturbing. It comes from businessinsider.com. I know, right? But the title reads a 46,000 year old worm found in Siberian permafrost was brought back to life and started having babies. Let's not poke things in permafrost. Can we not? Because I want the slow lumbering zombies. You know, I don't want the, the running ones. Anyway, scientists discovered a female microscopic roundworm that has been stuck deep in the Siberian permafrost for 46,000 years, the Washington Post reported. When they revived it, the worm started having babies via a process called parthenogenesis, which does not require a mate. According to a press release, the worm spent thousands of years in a type of dormancy called cryptobiosis in that state, which can last almost indefinitely. All metabolic processes pause, including reproduction, development, and repair. In a study published July... In the journal PLOS Genetics, scientists reported that after sequencing the worm's genome, scientists said it belonged to an undescribed species. And then there's some scientific names here that I absolutely cannot pronounce. Plectus murii and Tylenchus polyhypnus, oh, yeah, nematodes, were resurrected from moss and other specimens after a few dozen years, according to live science or live science. This new species, however, which scientists have named blah, 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 was dormant for tens of thousands of years longer. So my thing is, why are we resuscitating 46,000 year old worms? And then, and then just further proof that they shouldn't be doing that, the worm starts just, you know, shitting out kids like no stop none of us are interested just quit anyway that believe it or not is all that I have for you guys this seems like this one was a little bit short too I usually try to keep them half an hour this is 26 minutes it's it'll have to do sorry it's a day late again when they give me these Mondays off which I'm not bitching obviously we all love a little PTO right but it throws me off my schedule. You know, I'm already going to be probably a day late on the podcast too, but that's fine. I think you guys will forgive me because this next one coming up, I really did sort of deep dive. And, and I was even surprised because I thought I understood the case completely. So hope you guys enjoy that anyway. So it's Tuesday for the rest of us going back to work. Um, but for the people that worked the weekend and today, because I did go to the grocery store today, thank you so very much for sacrificing your time and being there for me 
so that I can get the shit that I need for my house. So I appreciate you guys. Um, I've gotten a lot of messages saying that people were trying to be I'm more mindful about being nice to customer service people and so on. So I love to hear that. That makes mama happy. So have a fantastic week. We all must endure, but we will be doing so together. Love you guys. Bye.